Hello, this is Gary Van Warmerdam, and this is the Awareness and Consciousness Podcast from PathwayToHappiness.com. This podcast is about ideas, and specifically the life of an idea. It was funny, I've been wanting to do this one for a while, but I've been busy recording a relationship series that I just recently got posted to my site. I would put this off to the side, but would come back and I make notes and I'd outline it and I'd have to put it back to the side because I wanted to focus on getting that course done. Kind of like a song in your head that uh, keeps playing. Some of them are great. Some of them you're like, hey, this is a silly jingle. I wish it would go away, but it keeps playing there. So this idea to do this podcast, some of it I debate how far I'll take it, what pieces I want to include, what I don't want to include. So it's not just an idea about doing a podcast about ideas. It's a whole group linked together that connect that I want to share. And then how do I organize it? so that people will understand it and to make it make sense that it's believable or doesn't at least get dismissed as nonsense early on so people miss the rest of it that might help bring it together. So I think about this and map this out as it moves around in my mind. Then I lay it out on the whiteboard here, make some notes on a piece of paper. So this idea spreads, gets connected to other ideas. That's kind of the nature of an idea sometimes when it really gets going, when it has a lot of energy behind it, inspiration. It takes on a life of its own. And that's essentially the idea I want to share. That ideas take on a life of their own. That they are, in fact, for lack of a better word, alive. They aren't necessarily alive in a biological way because they're not carbon-based. But I think there's other kinds of life that aren't carbon-based. Saying life is only carbon-based is pretty limited. Electrical signals that move through your body, telling your heart to beat, that's some part of the equation. Nervous system. Brain waves. This is some part of the equation. You know, when we see, we see light. And it passes through our eye and it creates an imagery in our mind. Well, that's light interacting with matter. Creating this visual imagery we have in our mind. That's part of life. Being able to see. If we look at trees... Trees are light, sensitive. You take away the sunlight from a tree or a plant, and that living being dies. So there is something in light that is essentially, it has aliveness to it that's transmitted to carbon-based matter. There's a transmission of an element of life. Water is the same, go without water. There's some active element that provides life and therefore it's life nourishing and 
it has essential elements of life. So some of whatever that aliveness is, is in water and air that we breathe, that interacts in our lungs, that interacts with all the cells of our body. I think it would be limited to think of life as, okay, ending at the skin of this body or at the element of air. But then once those oxygen molecules enter our lungs and go into our bloodstream, they then become alive. But outside our body, they're dead. I don't know that that's a sensible line to make it right there at that point. There's in every atom of every particle of substance electrons that are spinning. There is some active force in every particle doing that. In any case, this isn't about the whole biology in the universe and light and air and water and how life is or different ways we can divide it and where we draw the line. But I use those as an example to say, let's see about, consider, play with the idea of drawing the line differently. And draw the line differently in terms of the mind and the ideas we have there. I mean, what's the basic form of idea? Is it rock, animal, or mineral, whatever that game is, you know, it doesn't fit into any of those categories. So to me, I don't think I've ever really had it classified. So I'll make up my own, and I'll call it a living organism. Now, this idea that ideas are alive, it's not new. Richard Dawkins, biologist, uh, wrote a significant book, a couple decades old, and still talks about it. I'll put a link to his material on the show notes to this podcast. I'll also put a link to a video talk on TED by Dan Dennett. He's a philosopher on ideas and how they're alive. And now with the popularity of the movie Inception, this idea I want to share is at the forefront of people's minds. So it's not any revolutionary stuff in a way. Maybe some additional pieces you haven't thought of before, though. And if you go back to different schools of thought in history, the idea that ideas are alive has been around a long time. And why I think it keeps showing up again and again is that if we just observe ideas behave more as living beings, more as if they're alive, than they do as static objects. Like I said, they grow, they persist, they connect to other ideas, they interact. They interact with other thoughts in our mind and form whole systems. Just like when I think of this recording, what ideas will I connect it to? What references? What explanation? What examples? All related to this idea. Now it becomes a whole system. It's not a singular idea. It's grown into a story with side stories. Other ideas that support it, that make it stronger. At a certain point, a collection of ideas can even grow, let's say it's to the size of a story that becomes a dream. 
Because a dream is idea, but it's a big idea. It's a big idea that has many elements to it. A movie is a good example of a dream. If you go into a movie, you not only have the visual, you have multiple characters in that story. Multiple points of view. You can experience the emotion of that story. You get it in surround sound. But when we have an idea in our head that grows to the level of a dream, not only do we get surround sound, but that dream in our mind, this very large idea, is interactive. We have a daydream or a nighttime dream. Either way. You can also have emotional components, taste components, physical sensation components. An idea can become so big you feel it viscerally. If you're imagining something happening, your body, the physiology in your body reacts as if it's real. The idea is that strong and complete when it's in dream form. In nighttime dreams, those stories can be so complete, you're not aware that you're dreaming. But it's all going on in the mind. And you don't know that it's just a story and a dream you're in. Well, daydreams are similar. It's also the mind dreaming. You're driving to work and you pull into your parking space and then you wonder, I don't remember driving here. Your attention was wandering in a daydream. A memory of yesterday or last year. Thoughts of the future of the day or next year or where you want to be or hope to be in your life. Hopeful dreams or fearful dreams of the future are very often powerful. And they keep our attention there. And in a way, they keep us there. They keep us there in this dream world not realizing, not being aware and present that we're here. So this is the nature of a very big idea that grows from just an opinion or conceptual idea to a story to a dream. And those dreams can be beautiful and those dreams can be nightmares. You know, when we're afraid our partner might leave us, we're afraid of the future and a financial situation, what goes on in our mind can very often be more painful emotionally than the reality of it happening. So when we're in those dreams and we can spend days there, or if we're depressed, we spend weeks and months there, our attention is in that dream of hopelessness and despair. And we stay dreaming in that state may take several steps to get us out of that dream. And when we wake up, we wonder, what, what was I doing? Well, our mind was dreaming and we were lost in that dream, is one way to describe it, although that sounds very simple. In any case, I have the idea that I digress. And I want to cover another idea about ideas. And that is how they have sex. How does an idea, like all living things, reproduce? 
because all living things have to reproduce. They eventually have a lifetime, and then they die. But if the species is to continue, it has to replicate itself. Well, one way, people talk. If people tell you a story, say for instance, like me, I'm telling you this story. I'm sharing this idea about ideas. I convert it into a language. You listen to that language. You create pictures in your mind what it's about. And now that idea is in your mind. Now, if you believe it, that is, and you agree, yeah, that makes sense. I, I buy into that. Well, that idea is now alive in your mind. And that story is spread. The idea has reproduced itself. That's why I try to be careful with what I say. Now, some ideas, particularly the big juicy gossip ones, you hear a piece of juicy gossip, and you're like, oh my God, I can't wait to tell so-and-so, or I've got to tell someone. What's up with that? Do we really have a need? Do we really have a need? No. But we can feel that need. We can feel that need that is a desire in our mind that the idea has to be spread. That idea wants to have sex. It wants to be reproduced. It wants to be spread. And we sense its desire. We feel the juiciness of it, the energy of it, the aliveness of it. It wants to be transmitted. And who transmits it? Us, those, the holder of those ideas. We have in our mind a whole host of ideas. And the ones we share are the ones that get reproduced in other people's minds, provided that they agree. They listen, they accept, and they go, yeah, I buy into that. Now, some ideas get transmitted like that into minds, and they become alive even if you don't really want them to. You don't even have to totally agree. Like pink elephants. I say pink elephants. In your mind, you hear pink elephants. I can say, don't think of pink elephants. But you end up thinking of pink elephants. Why? Because saying don't think about something doesn't kill the idea. The idea is transmitted when it's talked about. But it doesn't go away when you say, I'm not going to think about it, or I'm not going to think about that idea. So we're talking about transmission happens through sharing like that. But it's not a way to kill it. How do you kill an idea? That's a different thing. How do you empty your mind of certain ideas that you have? That's a bit more challenging, more subtle to explain. And I try to do that in a thorough way in the self-mastery course on my website. I'll walk you through the steps in a very methodical way, how to take apart the ideas in your mind and detach from them and clean out your mind from negative fear-based beliefs and stories. So I won't go into that here. 
This podcast format is not for that. Just to introduce to you this understanding of how the mind operates. Because if we don't have a good working model, we, we expect things to work that won't work. I've had people come to my workshops and they're like, God, I got this thought in my head and it won't go away. I'm like, well, what'd you try? It's like, well, they had this tool they picked up from somewhere and it was like, well, when you think about it, you just do like a computer, you know, you hit control, alt, delete, reboot. Well, that doesn't eliminate a thought. But they were really disappointed with themselves and frustrated that they were failing at this. They thought that their mind worked like a computer, that it was set written code. And that if you punch the right buttons, it changes the code, kind of like a cut and paste program. You highlight an area, you hit delete, okay, it's gone. Okay, that's out of my mind now. Well, unsuccessful. Because what was written in their mind, what was alive in their mind, wasn't changing according to that system of it being a static written document or a software where you could delete code. No, they were more dealing with something like weeds in the backyard, and some of them were really pesky, like Bermuda grass or crabgrass, where you go pull it out. But as you pull it out, some of the roots and seeds stay in. Or, like ideas in the mind, a lot of them we don't think about for a long time. They stay dormant in our subconscious. Those are like those grasses in the winter. They look dead. Okay, they're gone. They're dead. But come spring, for bits of water and things are warmed up, they come back. They turn green again after for sure you could swear that they were dead. These are the dreams and ideas that are planted in our subconscious in the same way. They come back and haunt us at inopportune times. We might not see them for seasons. We might not notice them for years. But when we're adults, they show up again. So they can lie dormant like seeds for a long time. And then they show up. And what happens when an idea shows up, a, a powerful dream that has lots of emotion? Not only does it play around as an intellectual thought in our mind, but it pushes us. We feel its energy. Maybe it's an idea that's fearful. We have a big emotional reaction of fear to it. Somebody's going to leave me. We imagine that they'll leave and we'll be hurt emotionally. And now we imagine that we're hurt emotionally and we get so angry at being so hurt by them. Mind you, they're still with us, but we imagine it all this way in the dream in our mind. Well, we might act on that anger. We might act on that fear. We might modify our behavior, the words that come out of our mouth. We get mad at them for them just being late. But in our mind, it was all about, oh, they must have been spending time with someone else. And we overreact. Because the dream in our mind, the ideas running about, have lots of emotional charge to them. And now we get angry at our partner, person we love. Now they're afraid of us. We've planted an idea in their mind that we're going to react this way. And now they have an idea 
the next day of how we're going to react, and they start reacting to that idea and behaving differently because of the idea they have. Uh, more spreading. It's a different way of dreams being passed from person to person and fear going as a virus in the way we behave. point here is these ideas in our mind are more than just static concepts. They can push our behavior, the words that come out of our mouth. They move us to take action or be paralyzed with fear and inaction. Dream ideas can be that strong. And in these dream ideas, something interesting happens is, like in that story of being afraid or someone leaving us and being hurt in the way that we imagine it or getting angry at them, we also create ideas of ourselves. We imagine ourselves reacting in a certain way. We imagine ourselves treating other people in a certain way, or we actually do it. We become the person of those dreams. In a way, we lose our integrity. We lose our sense of authentic self and act in inauthentic ways. Later, we wonder, well, what came over me? Well, a big dream, an emotional dream, filled with ideas, all interconnected, powered by belief. That's what made it strong. We lose ourselves into these false identities. We can call it ego or self-importance. They cause us to behave in ways that are inauthentic. So we even lose ourselves to these dreams and live them out. And that way perpetuate them and pass them on to other people. This is the nature of how big an idea can get. We can lose ourselves, our authentic, genuine self, and live out our life as if we were the idea in the story we have. The story we have of ourselves, the story we have of other people. So I'll share one story of this, how this happened for a friend of mine. Let's call her Vicky. She had a rough childhood. Parents were not kind to her in the way that she tells the story or told me the story. And that caused her a lot of pain. And in those experiences, she learned to experience her relationship with them as a victim. And she still sees it today as being a victim when she thinks about those stories in memory. Those ideas remain in memory very much the same way that she experienced them. And that includes the identity or image she has of herself. The personality of a victim that she has and the way she interprets things from that point of view as a victim. That idea of herself remains as well. Well, in looking for a way out of the pain and the sense of being powerless as a victim, she happened upon another idea. And one of the ideas that she happened upon in some self-help book or audio tape or whatever it was, is that you chose your parents. Now, in a way, this is a very empowering idea. She feels no longer a victim. She feels powerful, strong. It was her conscious choice. It is her conscious choice. She's the creator of her life. This is what she chose. And now she imagines herself in a different self-image than the powerless victim character. She imagines herself as a powerful character. And this feels much better. 
to be in control, to be in charge. For a while. But as the old idea hasn't really changed, she's just added a new layer on top of it. From this new empowered state, up surfaces from underneath that victim layer. Well, why did I choose them? What's wrong with me that I would choose parents like that? And out of this empowered character, the victim is sabotaging the process. It's asking questions. What's wrong with me? The assumption being there's something wrong with me. And now she feels stupid and guilty for having chosen them. Back to a victim state. But now with a lot more power, another layer to confuse the issue, a dream inside a dream, inside a dream. I'm wrong, I'm powerless as a victim. I deserve to be punished, there's something wrong with me. Oh, I chose them. And the dream on top of that, why did I choose them? What's wrong with me that I chose them? Now she's confused because she can't find this answer to this third layer of her process. But it's really a dream wrapped around a dream wrapped around a dream. And she's chasing the answer to questions that are only really conceptual ideas. And her only tool for finding answer is another dream, another idea. But nowhere in that confusion and guilt and shame and fear and powerlessness is the dreamer really changing. And that's the central problem. The dreamer, the point of view she's dreaming this all from, it's not changing. So she goes round and round in a circle, clinging to ideas that make her feel better. And yet, the ones underneath sprouting up like crabgrass in her mind. And so while ideas may be helpful, even empowering, they can also be in a way a trap at a certain point. Because that idea you use to help yourself with, to fend off or give you distance from another idea, a negative one, that new idea becomes alive in your mind, takes on a life of its own. Now you're beholden to that. And so you'll find that in these podcasts, my audio course, I don't offer, or at least I try not to, offer a lot of ideas for you to put your faith in. Not offering a lot for you to believe in, adopt as positive affirmations or paradigms of positive thought. They have their place and they can help. But at a certain point on your way to real integrity and freedom, you have to let go of those too. Like any rung of a ladder, you can use it to help lift yourself up. But at a certain point to go higher, to go farther in your conscious awareness, you have to let go of what you're hanging on to, even if it's just an idea. I'm not asking you to take on more dreams. I'm asking, I'm inviting people to be aware that they're dreaming. In that case, wake up from what goes on in their mind, the way that they're dreaming, the dramas. And I'm even sharing this idea that ideas are alive, not so that you believe it, 
Matter of fact, be skeptical of it. Consider it, bounce it around, see if it makes sense. See if you notice how one idea spawns another idea that spawns another idea. And being aware that your mind is dreaming, whether you're awake or asleep, is a big step in the direction of waking up and changing the dream. The reason why I want to share this idea about ideas with you is principally because many people have the wrong paradigm for what goes on in their mind. Like those gals that thought, just imagine, control, alt, delete, it goes away. You're setting yourself up for failure, and you're not going to know why. And in that failure, you're probably going to judge yourself for failing. Another dream about yourself. That's not true. But the reason you fail isn't because you didn't try or you didn't do it properly. You might have done it perfectly, but you're trying to get rid of something in your mind as if it were static, as if it didn't have roots, as if it wouldn't grow back. All that was required was you had to go through and pick out the rocks and get rid of them. Rocks are static. You throw it out, it doesn't come back. It doesn't have roots. But ideas, those things have roots. They have tentacles that can go into other layers of our consciousness and belief system in our mind. And they require a bit more work. They require a different approach. That different approach, you will find that in the self-mastery course. It's a step-by-step -step process to inventory the false beliefs in your mind, false self-images and the stories you tell, and to clean out those unsettling ideas. That's in the self-mastery course at Pathway to Happiness. This podcast is just for one small idea. And that is, for your approach to be effective, you have to understand what you're dealing with. And that that mind, the drama in there, at a certain point, you'll notice it's taken on a life of its own. And if you try to attack it as if it were a static thing, you're setting yourself up for failure. One other funny thing, as I was... Uh, pushing this podcast off to the side time and again the movie Inception comes out very good film recommend it you'll find other films I recommend on my site good food for the soul I'm a big fan of movies because you get to go travel in other people's dreams and how they present it some very artful and beautiful and by journeying into other people's dreams and you can see things and learn things. Be exposed to numerous points of view. And they inspire us to emotion and different perspectives. And even awakening. See, this transmission of ideas isn't bad. The fact that ideas are alive isn't a problem. It's what kind of dream are you dreaming? That's the question. But I digress again. The thing about Inception is, at the end... At the end, you're left with a question. The question basically is, is he dreaming? Is it real? Is he dreaming or is it real? And the questions are a really neat way to keep us trapped in a dream. It's like throwing ourselves a bone. You know, the mind throws out a question, we go chasing an answer. We get an answer, get a conceptual idea to answer it. 
like that woman whose parents abused her. Oh, why did this happen to me? Oh, I chose my parents. Oh, she has an answer. Feels better. Until she asks another question. Why did I choose those parents? Don't know. What's wrong with me that I would choose those parents? And so her mind throws out more questions. And she spends years chasing answers. And so in leaving that movie, people are walking out wondering, is he dreaming or is it real? And you go look up on the internet what people write about the movie. And they're writing about whether he was dreaming or it was real. There's different evidence for this and different evidence for that. And that question keeps that movie alive in your mind, going home. It'll even drive you like a seed, a virus of an idea, urging you to go back and see it again and pay attention again, inspire you to take action, spend more money. But to me, the central question of the movie is not, is he dreaming or is he awake? The question is for you, the viewer. Are you dreaming? Or are you awake? This is Gary Van Warmerdam. This is the Awareness and Consciousness Podcast, pathwaytohappiness.com, for a step-by-step process in how to wake up from your dreaming mind and clean out the ones you no longer want. You can check out the Self-Mastery course on my website, pathwaytohappiness.com. You can also order my book, MindWorks, which is a guide to identifying and changing these negative thoughts, beliefs, and emotional reactions. Happy dreams.